Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. The iCritical Care Podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is the Society's Associate Editor for Podcasts, Dr. Richard Savell. Dr. Savell is the Associate Director of the Surgical Intensive Care Unit at Mamadi's Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York. He also is an Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care Podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email info at sccm.org. Hello and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast for August 17th, 2005. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Savell. On this edition of the podcast, we will begin with the discussion of the topic, Care of the Critically Ill Child with Cancer. We will conclude the podcast with some section and chapter news from the Society. Our discussion of pediatric critical care in the oncology patient is primarily based upon an article from the August 2005 issue of Critical Connections by Drs. Alan Fields and Rodrigo Mejia from the Children's Cancer Hospital at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. Also, I would like to thank Dr. Scott Klein, Director of Pediatric Critical Care at Maimonides Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York, for assistance with this podcast. The prognoses and outcomes for pediatric oncologic patients have improved considerably over recent decades. However, the outcomes for pediatric cancer patients admitted to the ICU have lagged behind these advancements. Some reports even question the validity of admitting these pediatric critically ill cancer patients to the pediatric ICU, or PICU, at all, as treatment frequently has been viewed as futile. As an example, some authors have suggested that children who suffer from pulmonary dysfunction after stem cell transplantation should be denied admission to a PICU. This general trend has led to the development of a very broad therapeutic repertoire being offered in some pediatric oncology units, in some cases providing hemodynamic support or renal replacement therapy for septic patients. When this philosophy is applied, PICU admissions are reserved for children with respiratory failure requiring mechanical ventilation. This often delays the admission to the unit. Recent studies suggest that a more aggressive approach and early application of critical care services may improve outcomes for those admitted to the PICU. These papers have shown, with the exception of bone marrow transplantation, that the presence of an oncologic process does not appear to be associated with an increased mortality in children with significant critical illness, such as septic shock or respiratory failure. Using evidence-based methods to identify treatment strategies associated with decreased mortality can often be difficult in the critically ill pediatric oncology patient. Some authors suggest that early interventions for patients who have low admission pediatric risk of mortality or PRISM scores can produce improved outcomes. It seems reasonable that intervention before end-stage organ failure has occurred is a prudent therapeutic goal. As in the adult literature, once three or more organ systems have failed, survival rates markedly decrease. One of the important critical care controversies in the pediatric oncology patient is the proper role of intubation and mechanical ventilation in the stem cell transplant recipient with respiratory failure, which often occurs in the setting of pneumonia. Traditionally, those patients have done rather poorly. However, some authors have presented preliminary data indicating that a lung protective strategy with low tidal volumes and low plateau pressures may be associated with improved outcomes. 
the proper role of high-frequency oscillatory ventilation has not been finalized. Again, some authors feel that if used early on in the course of severe respiratory failure, high-frequency oscillatory ventilation may be associated with improved outcomes rather than utilizing it as salvage therapy, as is often the case. Care for the pediatric oncology patient requires ongoing, multi-professional communication and planning. Of all the patients admitted to the PICU, those with bone marrow suppression often require the most resources. Close assessment by critical care pharmacists becomes paramount for monitoring drug interactions and potential toxicities of therapeutic agents. Unfortunately, end-of-life decision-making is frequently needed. These situations can tax the emotional resources of team members, especially when long-term relationships have been established. As mentioned in a previous podcast, a close and ongoing dialogue amongst the patient, the family, the oncologist, and intensivist appears to be the best manner in which to optimize what can often be a dramatic and emotionally painful situation. In summary, except for stem cell transplant recipients, Outcomes for the pediatric, critically ill oncology patient should approach those of the general PICU population. Based on current knowledge, the consideration of PICU admission and the application of aggressive, supportive therapies should occur as early as possible in the context of a child's declining clinical course and impending multi-system organ dysfunction. Decisions regarding therapy should continuously be reevaluated based on the patient's clinical course to ensure a more informed decision by pediatric patients and their families, as well as caregivers, regarding the continuation, limitation, or withdrawal of critical care. Finally, we conclude this podcast with section and chapter news from the Society of Critical Care Medicine, starting with the Clinical Pharmacy and Pharmacology section. The Clinical Pharmacy and Pharmacology, or CPP, Section Membership Committee is pleased to announce that through a generous grant from OrthoBiotech, critical care pharmacy residents and fellows are eligible for a complimentary one-year sponsored membership to the Society of Critical Care Medicine. Program directors will receive a letter from SCCM outlining these offers. The CPP Research Committee would also like to inform members that the CPP database is functioning. This database allows CPP to identify the practice, speaking, teaching, and research interests of fellow members. Surgery Section News The American Board of Surgery is adding a new advisory council in the area of trauma, burns, and surgical critical care. The purpose of this advisory council will be to promote direct communication between professionals in these specialty areas and the ABS as it formulates policies regarding residency and fellowship training, as well as develops programs in certification maintenance for diplomats. Philip S. Berry, MD, FCCM, was unanimously selected by the surgery section and the executive committee of the SCCM Council to represent the surgery section on the American Board of Surgery Advisory Council for Trauma, Burns, and Surgical Critical Care. To suggest discussion issues for the ABS Advisory Council, please contact Dr. Barry at pbarry at med.cornell.edu. Internal Medicine Section The American Board of Medical Specialties now requires that physicians in all specialties show evidence of performance and improvement for the maintenance of their certification. The American Board of Internal Medicine's goal is to meet this requirement by January 2006. The practice improvement piece can be achieved in a number of ways. Practice improvement modules are available now, but none work well in the intensive care unit. The SCCM is collaborating with the ABIM to design modules for critical care that will be both relevant and educational. 
Diplomats also can use an ABIM web-based tool utilizing data from other sources. This concludes our podcast for August 17th, 2005. Look for future podcasts featuring a wide variety of information important to critical care practitioners, including interviews with authors and discussions with prominent members of the critical care community. Critical Connections is the official bi-monthly news magazine of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, offering the latest information about critical care to healthcare professionals. Members of the SCCM receive a free subscription as well as other benefits. For more information, visit www.sccm.org. Thanks again for listening. Registration is now open for SCCM's 35th Critical Care Congress to be held January 21st to 25th, 2006 in the birthplace of Jazz, New Orleans, Louisiana. Learn innovative treatments in critical care as well as fundamental business practices to improve your ICU environment, all developed by a multi-professional team of critical care experts. Register today by speaking with a SCCM customer service representative at 1-847-827-6888 or visit www.sccm.org. Don't miss out on this unsurpassed educational opportunity.